Welcome to the Intentionist Podcast, where we explore the interplay between intuition, spiritual health, and everything in between. I'm your host, Amy Schreiber. And I'm Hilary Zwallen. Our intention is to create a dialogue that inspires you to consciously forge your path with curiosity and compassion for life and its mysteries. Today, Hillary talks faith transitions, allowing space for self-discovery, and living a global life with Aline Tamir, creator of Girls Gone Global, a popular Facebook community with over 30,000 members, and the Dear Aline Facebook channel, which has over 18 million views. Aline creates videos as she travels all over the world full-time, exploring topics ranging from women's empowerment and animal advocacy to medical tourism and immigration. To learn more about Aline, check out her Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both Dear Aline and Aline is spelled A-L-Y-N-E. Enjoy! Aline, thank you so much for joining with me today. You are the creator of Girls Gone Global, a Facebook community with, what, 30,000 members now? Yeah, it's growing really quickly. And the ever-popular Dear Aline Facebook channel. And I know you're an animal advocate, a vegetarian or a vegan. Which one? Vegetarian, vegan? I am a vegetarian, but I like vegans. I just can't. (laughs) (laughs) Can't quite give up the dairy, right? And a perpetual world traveler. So thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. So I wanted to talk to just start off the day. We are called the intentionists and we focus on what it means to live an intentional life. And so I am looking at kind of the life that you lead. It takes a lot of guts and vision to set out alone and do what you're doing in terms of like you are a perpetual traveler, right? Like you travel full time. Yeah. I mean, I've been traveling over two years now, completely full time. Yeah. I live out of Airbnbs and hotels and Right now I'm in the house of two missionaries, senior missionaries who are gone. So I'm here for a few days. <laughs> oh, nice. And and yeah, yeah. To, to make a career out of it. So can you talk to me a little bit about that process? Like how did you get started? And did you think that you would do it full time when you started? Or did it start out as a trip that just kept getting extended? Well, it's interesting that the name of this podcast is The Intentionist because I'm incredibly intentional with everything I do in my life. I'm one of those people, you know, I don't act, things don't accidentally happen. So, I mean, I was, so I was LDS, I was married. And even when, when we were married, I was like, all right, we're doing this company and we have two years to see if it succeeds or fails and to save money on the side, plus one year of transition if we sell or something, right? That was Mm -hmm. the decision that we both made. Then our marriage didn't work out. We weren't together. We separated in August. And then that December was when we had planned to start traveling together full time. And Mm. so I was like, man, this is bad timing. Like, So I took a, a month or two to think about everything. And I talked to my mom and she was like, you should just do it anyways. Like you should continue with your plans. Cause I was concerned if you get divorced, you shouldn't just go travel. You should think about everything and you need to process But I processed in a couple of months. I was good. And um, so that's a really interesting point right there. Just the idea that that like there's so many ways that people think things should happen. And I'm really interested in the concept of allowing collective impressions to be adopted when when really, like you said, it only took me a few months and I got over it or I had maybe maybe you'd been processing it all along. And so you were ready to move on when you did it. It's interesting that that you bring that up. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of you should do this or you should do that in life. And 
what you should do is whatever you want. Right. And I, I personally did need to process. And I think the majority of people should take time to process and that's how they work. But for me, like the marriage had been falling apart for so long that processing was already happening. And honestly, part of me is not processed. There is still part of me that's like, maybe I'm going to talk to him again one day and be like, can we please talk one more time and be like, what the hell happened? You know, because I still am majority processed, but there's always a part of you, especially when things didn't happen in a way you expected, where I'm like, Mm -hmm. what was that? You know, what happened there? And I'm not angry or upset. I'm just kind of like, I would like to understand just like if your house falls down, you're like, I don't need to know why it fell, but it would be nice to understand why. (laughs) So question just before we we move into travel, um, do you mind if I ask what your business was? That sounds really interesting to me. You guys built a business together and you sold it. Yeah. So we built together this business and it was essentially, we made videos. Like we both like videos and we would work with companies and just produce videos for them, you know, for YouTube Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, it was fun. And we both enjoyed it. But when we were separating, like it wasn't a good idea to just stay together in a business like where we're working on the same thing. Yeah, right. So then the plan was that you guys were going to go travel together. And then you decided, you know what, I'm going to keep moving with this. So talk to me a little bit about those first few months. Were you by yourself? Or did you have a friend with you? Yeah, so I moved to San Diego, I stayed with a friend of mine from BYU and his family, because I wanted to be around a family atmosphere. And got a job down there working at a travel agency because I love traveling. And I was like, if I want a job traveling, I should work with travel jobs, you know, right. So in the industry. So I literally went to Craigslist and was like, travel and searched in the job section and applied for a bunch. And then I got a job at a travel agency with like an amazing woman who runs it and only pretty much, I think only female employees. So that was cool. That's great. And started working there for her. Yeah. So talk to me about now you're getting ready to leave on the trip. Did you like plan out the trip and then it just kept going? Like, how did you get to where you're traveling full time for two years? So I knew I wanted to travel full time for one year at least and then see what I felt like. My goal was not to reenter the United States for one year. Oh, wow. When I started. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so I transferred my job to work online with the same company. And I started to work only half time instead of full time, so that I could have more time to actually see the world because I'm not like, I need a lot of sleep. So if I'm working and sleeping, I don't have time to actually sightsee. Right. right. Or make friends. So I worked half time. And so the first month was a bit different. I actually flew to Albania, which is, you probably know, but some people, it's in uh, Eastern Europe. It's right across from Italy. It's Mm -hmm. on the ocean and it's beautiful and it's cheap and delicious food. And I was actually, the primary purpose of me going there was actually religion. I was not sure if I wanted to be religious or not. uh, And I wanted to think about it. What was it about Albania religious wise? Um... I don't know almost anyone there. I know like three people. So I knew no one would bother me. And it's like not a place a lot of people speak English and they're not going to bother you. Like they're not just going to like constantly approach you like in some countries. Mm -hmm. And it's really beautiful. (laughs) So you you just went, Albania is where I can go to process alone. It wasn't that there's like some holy site there that you wanted to go see. No, 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 no. In Albania, I can afford a castle that I can live in alone for a month. That's why I went down there. That's really cool. (laughs) 
Yeah. And very brave. Thank you. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So continue. This is very, I'm interested. This is very cool. Continue on with the story. So you're in Albania. Yeah. Then what? So I, I get to Albania. I choose a, a, a beautiful, literally a castle in a tiny village with like sheep and goats and stuff. And I just took my books and my Kindle and my work and my yoga self. And I just went for a month and isolated myself like a retreat, but without anyone else, you know, like wow. people go to in India. So you did process, you did process your divorce and everything yeah. going on. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's a serious like commitment to self-care. Oh, I'm very committed to self-care. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's crazy that people aren't committed to self-care. Like yeah. that's all there yeah. is, you know? Yeah. I don't want to mess up myself later in life by not processing now. So yeah, it was amazing. Like it was probably the best month of my life. Like I love humans and socializing. As you can see, just the way I'm talking, I love talking and like people, but just like being alone was so great. Like nobody told me what to do. Nobody guilted me if I didn't go to church. Nobody told me it's bad that I slept for 14 hours in a row and said, I'm lazy. Like I could be whatever I wanted without fear of other people saying stuff to me to make me feel bad, which I really needed, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very self-aware of you. That's really cool. Yeah. So, so Albania, you, so what did you discover about yourself in Albania? I think the primary purpose of Albania was to see what would happen with no one around. And what I saw is that I don't feel like I'm missing out if I'm not going to church. Hmm. That was my primary discovery, which sounds basic, but... No, but it's not. Yeah. Being a Mormon, it's not. <laughs> I think what I've discovered, because I, I was a Mormon as well. Yeah. Um, I have good friends who are Catholics and uh, in other religions too. And it's it's a universal thing. You know, if you've been raised in a very religious upbringing. Yes. You know, there does come a point in our lives where you really go, is this do I want to continue on this? And, and those are some pretty dark nights of the soul. So, um, so I'd love to talk to you about some of that, like your faith transition. And I mean, we were kind of going yeah. there with the, uh, the, Al the Albania thing. So how, how did, did this trip? And then from there until now, what was that? What was deconstructing the Mormon lens like? And what was, what were you discovering with the new lens that you were creating beyond Mormonism? Well, a lot of people I notice when they uh, leave, I'm not sure the terminology, leave Mormonism or their church is that they find doctrinal reasons for it, or they have problems with policies. Like you mentioned before we started recording, like policies are problematic. And for me, it was really not about policies. It was more about, I don't have a problem with the Mormon church. It's more about who I am. Yeah. So if you're born you know, in Ohio and you don't like Ohio and you don't fit in Ohio and you feel weird in Ohio, like you shouldn't <laughs> have to stay there your whole life just because you were born there. Like you should be able to move to Wisconsin. Like, and that's, I love that. Yeah. That's great. I love it. Yes. <laughs> so that's how I felt. I have nothing against Mormonism. I think mm -hmm. it's great. And I wish it was easier to stay part of Mormonism without being Mormon. It make, they make it very difficult and awkward. Agreed. Uh, yeah. So that's like my, if I have a problem with Mormonism is that they make it hard to be kind of Mormon, you know? Yeah. 
I know. I, I always think I wish there was a reformed Mormon, like the way that Jews have reformed yeah. Judaism, you know, because I, I really there's so much about the culture that I that I love. And I love Mormons as people like I mean, I'm still most of my friends are Mormon. Um, yeah, but I, I agree with you. It's it, well, it's nice to get to a place, I guess, where you can honor the past and honor what it was for you at whatever time while being able to move on with grace and being in a place where you can recover from a religion that can be kind of intensely patriarchal and kind of what that means for a woman who wasn't born into a mold that is maybe celebrated, you know, and, and maybe, yes. and I'm saying patriarchal cause that's how I just felt like I didn't fit because of that, but your reasons. No, I agree. No, I mean, if we're, my, my other reason was, and I'm not, I don't want to disrespect the temple and I'm not trying to disrespect the temple, but when I was uh, right after the divorce, which is partly what led to it, because I'm no longer with someone who's like very devout. So I'm allowed to, you know, express myself more was going to I was going to the temple a lot. And there's a line that just says something about how like the woman speaks or cleaves to the husband and the husband speaks or cleaves to God. To God. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Amen, and I'm, sister. I'm not a scholar, but I was like, this seems not perfect. Like I'm not loving this. And so I even talked to stake presidents and bishops and no one had a good answer. And so I think that if, I mean, I don't know why the church has so much trouble just like updating stuff, like literally just change the sentence, you know, like it's yeah. not a big deal. Like, but mm-hmm. if, if, if I'm supposed to believe that that's scriptural and that's from God, then I don't want to, like, I don't want to, associate with that. And I don't want to invest three hours of every Sunday, two hours of every weekday on seminary and, you know, who knows what into something that is putting me as someone who needs an arbiter between myself and God. Like that's a little weird. So that would be my doctrinal reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so if we're talking like faith transition, because I think of this as a real universal challenge for people, like I yeah. said, we're raised with heavy dogma. And, and our hope here is to create a space for people to find hope while kind of mucking through the transition. Uh, what would what advice would you give? I'm like, what, where did you find your peace then? I mean, like you said, Alba- you're in Albania and you're having all of this um, these lights coming on in your mind and you're feeling peace. Um, and now you've been traveling for two years. So over the course of this time, I'm assuming that you've been processing and learning a lot about different cultures and experiences. So, so what, what encouragement would you give to someone who's maybe struggling with, with that if they're on the fence or they're trying to make a change from whatever their, maybe their family's belief system into something else. Is there any advice you could offer to some, for, for someone or for people who are experiencing that? Like what helped you? Yeah. If, if you can get away from everyone, you know, and go somewhere else <laughs> to figure this stuff out. That's great. <laughs> Cause then people aren't around you. So if you're a student and you're going to do a study abroad, like don't go with your friends, go by yourself, you know, go somewhere where there's not people tracking you so that you can decide who you are without people looking over you because yeah. people really control reactions and what you think. And you get scared that what you're thinking is wrong. Also like move slowly, like look at your actual reasoning. If your intention is like, I want to go get drunk and party because it sounds fun. Like maybe that's not the best reason to want to leave the church. But if your reasoning is like, I don't feel authentic, then you're, you should be able to move away. And you don't have to tell anyone you're moving away from it. Like you don't owe anyone anything. And people 
And you also should be sensitive to the people around you. Like people like my mom are so great, but like parents feel a responsibility for you. And so if they believe in your religion, whatever, if you're Muslim or Catholic or, or Mormon, they are scared for you that you're not being religious anymore. They think you're destroying your life. Um, right. So just those are the people that make it difficult, the ones that are close to you. So if you can go to a new place where you're allowed to experiment at your own pace, like it took me about a year to transition out completely. Right. Like I still went to church now and then like in different countries as I was traveling, like I would like try the like not praying or not going to church because doing it slowly and doing it on your own terms, I think helps a lot. And, and remembering that your parents will someday die. (laughs) You will someday die. Like your parents get to be in charge of their life. And yes, we owe them something and your sisters and your ward and your community, but like you are in charge of your life. And if you want to choose to live your life for other people, that's your choice and that's fine. But you should also be able to live the life you're meant to live. Because now that I'm not Mormon, I feel like my life is so much better and I am being who I'm supposed to be. And I'm helping so many more people than when I was religious and are trying to fit yourself into a mold that maybe wasn't you. Yes. And like, I'm not the mold. Unfortunately, I am not any mold and it makes life harder, but I'd rather have a, it's even harder to pretend that I'm in the mold, if that makes sense. (laughs) Well, I like, I want to stop you right there because you had, you'd made the comment that like, now you're, you're in this place where you're able to like, you're living this life. Like you're, you're so much more happy. You're living this in this authentic place. I feel the same way. And it was a really I was living in a lot of fear when I decided to leave that I would be sad forever, that I would, there's a lot of Regret fear around, your around leaving. Yeah. yeah. And I think regardless of whether it's Mormonism, Catholicism, Muslim, whatever the religion is, I'm sure there's fear around that. But, but like you said, you've discovered and look at what's opened up for you, right? So here you are, you're building this incredible platform. I'm in, I'm a member of your Girls Gone Global group. Amazing. And, and I, I go in there, um, you know, every night and I'm more of a lurker in Facebook communities <laughs> than I am as much of a participant, but it's a younger group of girls. I think it's what, like teenagers, early twenties. And I, I get so much hope. I'm 37 years old, right? So I'm a little older, but I, when I read some of the stories that some of those girls share in there and their pictures and I, and I get a view into what their life is like, it's such, um, an empathy building experience for me. It helps me to understand other people's cultures. And it gives me so much hope to what is happening out in the world and for this younger generation and how they're thinking and how they're trying to bring people together. So I really acknowledge you for creating a space like that online. And I think, you know, look at where, I mean, I can't help but think you've gone through this serious metamorphosis, right? You've gone through this huge transition of becoming a global citizen, really. And now you're holding space for 30,000 plus people. And I'm sure I, I'm just excited to see where you're going to be at in a year or two years. And and you're resonating with people in ways where you can provide a light to say you can live how you want to live. You can live your authentic life. You can be in Iceland and the outback and all these places yeah. that I love watching you go to. So, um, so really, I mean, I know that's what it's been for me to watch it from my little uh, device. It's been fun to follow, follow along. So how does, how does faith and culture then play into your 
relationships uh, with family now that you're traveling so much or with, with self, with your travel group, or, or does it at all? I mean, the only person I really have to worry about is my mom because my father is like Jewish non-religious in Israel. And it was more uh-huh. of a problem for him when I was Mormon, ironically. So I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. Um, one parent will yeah. always be upset. I mean, the mom is the only problem. Like my only problems come when, you know, it's Sunday and she's at church and she knows I'm not at church and she's sad and she's texting me, you know, or I'm visiting yeah. her and she wants me to come to church and like, I really don't want to go to church. Like, but I go, yeah. but it's like, or if I buy a mm-hmm. tank top, she doesn't like, cause I'm wearing a tank, like these little things. It's not her fault. I'm, I don't think there's any problem with her. It's just mm-hmm. more a conflict of interest kind of. Yeah, so I get it. My, the rest of my family has never said anything to me really. Like all my cousins and aunt and uncles, they're not really the pressuring type, I guess. And sure. Um, I don't have siblings. So (laughs) yeah. So what is your spiritual practice like now, if any? I'm discovering that I'm not a ultra spiritual person. I'm so invested in these girls in the group and on the page and anyone who's influenced by it. Like I'm more concerned about, like, I feel stable in my life and I feel good. So I'm like, okay, Finally, I'm stable in my life. So now I can do something for other people. I'm not like losing it all the time. So I'm just super focused on finding topics that are important to women, particularly, and teaching as many people as I can about them through videos. Like that is my spirituality is like I'm focusing on changing minds and lives on the ground as much as I can. (laughs) I really get that. I really get that from your videos. I really do. Um, As a viewer of that, I think that's coming across. Um, So, so that's where your insides are at this point, then you're committed to helping provide pathways for people. And it seems like educating as well. I think it's really neat how you guys, you and um, Nas both shine lights on what's going on in other countries and, um, and really humanize circumstances that you just aren't exposed to, especially in the United States, you know, you just kind of live in your own life and your Western world. And (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's not like intentional, but you just, you're just not, you're not around, you don't get to see the global imprint as well. It's not near to you. The U S is not like other countries that are small and bordering other countries, you know? Right. So So talk to me about that. Like in terms of your, like, what have you, I mean, sure. Like when I say, what have you learned? I mean, it's like (laughs) probably a million things that you've learned, right. While you've been traveling. So, so like, let's go back to Albania really quick. Okay. Um, so where did you go from there? Like at what, so you spent a month in Albania, you had this big, uh, you started seeing this whole faith stuff unravel. You're deciding new things about your life. So where did you go to next? After Albania, which was like my most important month, I was kind of just not going anywhere in particular. I was just kind of wandering. I was still trying to find my feet. And I had my job online and I had that stability. And I was learning, I was essentially developing the skills that I'm using now with Dear Lean. Like I was learning web design, I was learning how to write. I was learning, uh, blogging skills through that job. And that's why I chose that job because I knew those were the skills I wanted to develop in case I wanted to be independent ever. Um, right. 
This is a good map for people who are listening, who are like, how do I do what Aline does? Yeah. There you go. This Aline's is how. providing the map right now. <laughs> this so is literally what you do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's very smart. You can tell you're very intentional. Okay. So go ahead. Continue. Yeah. So learning all these skills. Learning all these skills. And um, I mean, everything changed when me and Nas started dating uh, with work stuff because I had just... Did I quit my job when I met him? No, I still had my job when we met. But then like six months later, when we started actually dating, I had already quit that job. So mm-hmm. I wasn't working anymore. And we were traveling together. We were dating and traveling together. And I still had an income because I have rental properties. So I wasn't like I, I had money to pay for everything and I have savings. But I wanted to feel more purpose. And so we would always talk about like how I don't feel purpose. And I was like, I want purpose. Like, what is the point mm-hmm. of all of this? Like, I can't be like these people who just live their whole lives without purpose and don't think okay. about it. <laughs> this is interesting right here because yeah. I think there's two types of travel bloggers, right? And I think what really resonates with what, like for me, at least with what you're doing mm-hmm. is there is a purpose behind it. And I think, I mean, not to say that there aren't beautiful pictures on Instagram and ah, people yeah. standing in front of the Eiffel tower, <laughs> looking very attractive in their new clothes or like whatever. But I mean, I think the, I mean, at least for me, I'm tiring of that, of just seeing like, here's another cool place. And look at how cool I am that I traveled to this place. Like, like you're saying, there's something about like, you've created a narrative that's a lot deeper than that. And, and I get it. I mean, like I, I can, I, I see that from I'm glad it comes through. Yeah. And I hope, it does. I hope I want everyone in the world to be like that. You know, I want everyone. I feel like a lot of people are just, their brains are turned off and I want everyone's brains turned on, you know? Yeah. I just think the world would be so much better. And I want, I want to be the person in social media that I don't see enough of. Like, I want to be mm-hmm. someone who's, yes, I'm nice looking enough. I'm, I'm, so I'm re- like, people like that. It actually helps because girls don't really like to have role models that like, this sounds weird, but like I'm balancing the line, if that makes sense. I know a lot of girls that are teenagers still need someone to be somewhat like these Instagram girls enough that they can see it as aspirational. Yes. And then yes. I also want to be like, look, I'm also not wearing makeup in half of my pictures. Like I'm wearing the same pants in every picture, but I still have a nice life. Like you can still be like the things you want to be and the things that, that are real about you. Like I, right. I'm trying to Without show that. Having to identify with a brand or thinking that you need to consume more or like have more money or right. Like change yeah. the way that you look look like everybody else yes because I I used to be super granola when I was in like growing up and I was like ah if I want to be a real feminist I can't wear makeup and I can't style my hair and I can't care about how I look you know and I think we can like you can care about how you look but only because you want to look that way not because you're trying to look like other people not because you think that's what creates your worth I'm Mm -hmm. not good at expressing this particular no I I think it's like, like you said, I'm really into this concept of, of, um, of virtual map making, right? I did this shamanic training and the whole, like in this Incan tradition, they talk about the shaman are the map makers. And what they mean by that is, is not necessarily that you're literally getting out a topographical map and you're like saying, okay, here's Denver and here's Salt Lake City, whatever. But just that, that people need to see it modeled for them most of the time. And, And if you can see, like I 
for example, I did a leadership retreat and there was an, uh, a woman there who was, she's like in her fifties or sixties. She's a CEO. She's a really amazing lady. And I got, um, we were doing an acknowledgement thing and I, I acknowledged her and I got really emotional about it because I thought, because I can see you doing what you're doing for the community and being in a leadership position, I know that the path is there for me. Yes. And I got emotional thinking she's made a map for me as a leader, as a woman, and she's paved the road just by living the life that she's lived so that I can see that it's possible. Like we need that. We need more of that as women, right? We need these maps from each other. And I think that there's been this huge, I mean, we've, we, we owe our four mothers yeah. <laughs> instead of four fathers yeah. a lot for helping us to get to this point. But I see even that, that there's been a bigger shift even among women that I I was talking last week with this lady about this, just saying, I feel like there's an awakening happening among women and we're really looking to each other to hold space so that we can all rise. So we can all move forward. Your, your your experience is virtually identical. I made a, I made a video. I don't know if you saw this one. I went to Malta we got to meet the president. The president is a figurehead because they have a prime minister, but she's still the president and she's a woman. And I saw that. Yeah, video and I, loved I just it. same as you. Yes, I was I like, I'm literally crying right now because you're a woman. And th- the way you put it is very, she's very perfect because it's like she's showing the path like she's just by her existence. She's like showing us that we can that it's possible. Yeah, right. Because there's a lot of like, like even social media, there's it's a copycat thing, right? And I think that's where the authenticity gets get can be lost as people think, well, if I stand in this pose in front of this, then I'll get the followers that this person yeah. gets or whatever. And, and like you, like you're saying, the message is really go deep inside of you and chip away all of these systems that are being run on top of you that are not you and find out where you are on the inside and run that system and run it as hard and as fast and as awesome as you possibly can. Yes. <laughs> and people will respond. Exactly. It's so. real. It's real. Like if it's, it's the same thing you've heard since you're a kid, like be yourself, but it's the hardest thing, you know, because your family can get hurt or your friends can be offended or society doesn't like you. It's really the ultimate hero's yeah. journey, right? It's kind of everyone's personal mission. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to set out on a similar path as you like, like a full-time traveler or an influencer the way that you have? I think that the best advice I can give is to realize that everyone will get to this point with a different path because this lifestyle, it's not like being a doctor where there is a guideline on how to do it. You know, if you do this, Mm -hmm. then you do this. Everyone I know that's successful at this and that I actually still like as a human and is not like essentially a software <laughs> pornographer, like is someone who works freaking hard and smart. So people think it's easy. Like these Instagrammers, even the lame ones are killing themselves to get these shots. Like they will plan a trip to an island and take a boat and go hiking and then carry their dress and then try to have their hair look nice while it's humid, you know, for an Instagram picture. It's not, they mm-hmm. make it look effortless and that's their job. Like, I think people don't realize how much work it is. <laughs> they, they only yeah. see the pictures. <laughs> yeah. What is your work day like? I mean, it looks like you guys, I mean, your content is so high quality. So, I mean, you've got to just be working around the I clock. mean. Let's put it this way. Like we were in LA and my boyfriend only has like 
one night he can have dinner with my mom. And even that is because I'm like yelling at him, you know, because his schedule. So we both do this. His schedule is way more rigorous and I'm with him full time. Yes, but I can take a break if I want. Like right now I'm upstairs talking to you. He's downstairs scripting a video because he does daily. I only do weekly because I care about my health. So, um, and I care about him. And so I want to be able to support him for the majority of the week. And then I just do my one video, uh, because he, I don't think he's better than me, but I think currently I would prefer to support him making an impact as I'm working on myself Mm -hmm. making an impact because he's doing such a good job. That's an interesting point too. Just like the idea of like to with relationships, right? Like understanding that's a very mature approach, right? Just being like, you know, you're holding space for your relation, you know, your boyfriend, but, but you're also like fulfilling your potential. And that's an interesting I think that's really important for women is like we fall into this, even women like me and you who are these crazy independent women, we fall into the helping role and the support role. Mm -hmm. And I don't really like that role. And I'm happy to support him because he supports me with my, my goals and my, um, he, he loves that I'm like helping women and he loves that I'm talking about animals because he doesn't care about animals and he's not a woman. So he doesn't understand And I think that's important is like so many couples, like the man makes it easy for the woman to fall into a role and she doesn't really know how to do anything else. Like we're not really taught how to be accomplished when you're women. It's really bizarre. Like, well, it's a double bind, right? Because you're, you're like, I know at least in America, the way I was raised, it was like, you can do anything you want. And then I got to college and it was like, when are you going to get married and have babies? And then it's like, wait, but what about all these dreams that I had? And then, and then you become a mother and then it really gets crazy because you're like, wait, you have these, you know, biological urges, but then to like nurture for your, your child. But then you also were like, but my dreams, I mean, it's a, I feel like being a woman can be very, being a woman is very hard. hard. Like such a pain, honestly, like, (laughs) (laughs) So what are some of the discoveries you've made? Just a couple more questions. What are some of the discoveries you've made about how women live across the world? This journey has given me so much empathy for women in Pakistan and India and Asia and the Middle East because they are having a really hard time. Like they are not allowed to do anything and their families are restrictive and their passports are restrictive and their cultures are restrictive and their police force does not even protect women. And so they have almost zero options in a lot of areas. So that's not really empowering, but it's empowering to people who don't live in those areas to realize how good your life is and how many options you do have and that you can use your position of privilege that you might not realize you have to help these other women have a voice. Yeah. I mean, the first step is awareness, right? And that's, I think that that is underrated. It's really important to have awareness because the the thing that I, I started following you guys, it was right when you started doing your videos. And I think Ness, you guys were in the Middle East or in Jerusalem or something. And I was just glued to the videos that, that you guys had done there because it was, it was a whole new way for me to view the Middle East. Like I've only seen it in these like very, it's war and it's on CNN and I don't have any other way to relate to it. And other than a, gosh, I mean, that looks really dangerous (laughs) over there. And I just want to pretend like nothing's happening so that I can continue to live in my little bubble. Right. And not to say that in a, like, I don't really think that, but there's a part of me that's like, 
I can't deal with this is so much, but, but acknowledging and, and creating the awareness so that then, you know, once there's an awareness, once enough people gain an awareness, things can start to change, whether it's outside influences, whether, like you said, it's supporting, it's, it's raising money, it's, it's donating time. It's how do we change our perspective on immigrants? It's how we change our perspective mm -hmm. on refugees. It's, 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 it's yes. one by one, right? It's the drip. Yes. So then how have your thoughts evolved and changed over the course of meeting people across cultures? I was fortunate enough to have been raised in between Israel and LA and Mexico. So I grew up and I went to an elementary school where half the kids are Japanese speakers and half are Spanish speakers. So I grew up with a lot of culture. You're yeah, in yeah, I grew up in California where it's like very cultural. Why I live here. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't awesome. have that experience that a lot of people from Utah have told me they have where they grew up in one place their whole life and then they're shocked, you know? So I, I don't know if I can really speak to that, but I, I do think that the people I've met have taught me that there are people like you around the world. Like you can find your best friends. One of my best friends I found in Brazil and he's gay. And I used to be like secretly, like I really didn't get gay people like, and then I met him and I was like, I love you. Mm -hmm. uh, I love all of you now. You know, once you start to meet one person that represents a group, it can help you diffuse your uh, fear of the unknown, you know? Wow. Yes. I love that. So yeah. one like parting little lighthearted questions. What are some of your best yeah. uh, and worst experiences traveling? Like I think of like traveling full time. Like <laughs> I travel quite a bit, but I don't travel like you travel, right? Like I have a house here and kids and whatever, but, and I, I feel like, you know, things can happen when you travel. So what are some of the best experiences you've had? Like maybe one of like best and like, what's the worst? I'll do worst first. Okay. <laughs> Those are always easier to conjure, right? Yeah. <laughs> one of the worst, you know, there's always a million. One of the worst was my boyfriend and I were trying to board a plane and we were going to Australia and he had a layover in like Dubai and He's Muslim, but he is Israeli, like, because he's Muslim born in Israel. And Dubai is a Muslim country, but they hate Jews. And so if you have an Israeli passport, you can't even transit in Dubai or something, oh, wow. something crazy like that happened. I, I can't remember like, the details, but we both had very expensive flights to New Zealand and it was a long travel day. And at the airport, like, they wouldn't let him check in they wouldn't let him on the plane it's like a two thousand dollar flight like it was crazy and we were like yelling at the people and like I had to go on the plane and be like maybe he's gonna get there maybe I'm gonna be alone in New Zealand I don't know what's happening I'm about to go on like a 12-hour flight with no internet that was not fun um oh goodness and best experience I mean couch surfing had bad experiences and then it also had one of my best experiences, essentially, I was like 20. I was couch surfing in Hungary. What do you mean by couch surfing? So there's a website called Couch Surfing, and you can meet people around the world and stay for free at their house and make friends around the world. It's more about friendship than a free place to stay, obviously, and cross-cultural learning stuff. So I was, mm -hmm. you can just sign up. It's like Airbnb, but with people. You meet cool people around the world. And I was an avid couch surfer during my college traveling years because I was a budget traveler. 
and I couch surfed at this man's house in Hungary, but he was like apparently very wealthy and the owner of like a sports team. So he couldn't be there when I was couch surfing. So he sent his friend to, to like, let me into his apartment. And it was this beautiful like penthouse. And I got to stay there like by myself. And he had like left me the keys and I was sick. And so his friend was so nice and like just took care of me the whole time. And I was a disaster. I was a disaster. (laughs) And that was like one of my best experiences because it showed like these people have zero, zero negative intentions. They get nothing from me. I'm just a sick traveler, you know, at their house with my backpack. And they just took such good care of me. Both of them, one that I never met. Shows you the goodness of the world, right? Yeah. There's like really nice people out there. I love that. I love that. So final question, what's next? What's next? Um, I hope to be able to keep momentum and not get overwhelmed with life and do more with Dear Lean and, and possibly other companies. I don't care if it's my brand or someone else's, but I just want to help all the women who don't even have a choice about their life. You know, I want women to have an option to change their life. You know, these women in developed countries particularly, but also anyone, any woman should have the option to have a better life. That's what I want to work on. I love that. Yeah. We need more, more leans <laughs> in the world. So how can people reach you? Uh, Instagram handles, obviously Girls Gone Global, Facebook group, join that for sure. Yeah, so my 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 main pages are Dear Aline. A-L-Y-N-E on Facebook and Instagram. Same handle. And you can join whatever platform you like the best. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Aline. I can't thank you enough. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. This is a very cool concept. Before we part, we'd like to say thanks for listening. And we hope you'll connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We would love to hear from you and appreciate all feedback, shares, and likes. To learn more and subscribe to our newsletter, visit intentionists.com. And no matter where you are or what you're creating, we send you love and invite you to breathe and begin. See you next week.